Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading today, as we talk about belonging, is 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they'll be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now that I've become a man, I've put an end to childish things. Now we see reflection in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things... And the greatest of these is love. Lord, teach us about love today. Teach us about belonging. And while you're at it, Lord, help us to do it. Help us to be it. May your spirit do something in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you saw it this week. I saw a new commercial uh, where a, a sheep leaves the herd so that it can take a ride in a Volkswagen Tiguan. And the tagline of the commercial was, break free from the herd. Break free from the herd. Which is ironic, because that's the last thing that a sheep would intentionally do. Now, we all know the story. Sheep do get lost. They do wander off. That's not because they seek independence. It's because they're dumb. And they focus on the grass, and that becomes their attention. But, but sheep, by nature, are communal. They need each other. They move as a flock. In fact, when one sheep moves, they all sort of move in unity together. If given the choice, sheep will live in the same family group their entire 
life. Sheep do not intentionally leave the flock or the herd. And I guess that's probably why the commercial is meant to be humorous. And of course, Volkswagen isn't selling to sheep, are they? They're selling to people like you and me. And so some advertising experts said, you know, if you want to sell Volkswagen Tiguans in the United States, you need to appeal to Americans' desire for independence. Tell them that if they buy a Volkswagen Tiguan, they can break free from the herds of conformity and uniformity. They can break out of herds that restrain and constrain them, herds that try to tame us, herds that hold us back. Break free in a Volkswagen Tiguan, right? Were they right? Is that what we desire? Is that who we are? Does that meet our best and most important needs? I suppose at some level, Volkswagen is right. There is something in the American ethos that really values independence, right? I'm thinking the image of the old Marlboro man, right? That rugged individualist that works hard and pulls us up his boots by his own bootstraps and gets it done and he doesn't need anybody telling him what to do. But possibly, possibly is the American ethos of independence and individualism and my own personal rights and freedoms and liberty, is it possible that some of that actually runs counter to the way that God made us? To the way that we're actually designed, to our actual needs? Back to the Volkswagen commercial for just a moment. Break free from the herd, right? Something sheep don't do. Isn't it interesting how often the Bible refers to us as sheep, people who need to live as part of a herd and who need a good shepherd. I think all of us know this. I don't think I'm going to say anything that we're not personally aware of or haven't heard in the news, but there is growing, mounting evidence that there is increasing loneliness, isolation, social insecurity, anxiety and depression and disconnection all around us in our culture. People are struggling. In spite of all of our electronic hyper-interconnectivity with each other, there's a growing realization to the ways we connect electronically, texting, email, isn't really deep connection. It just kind of serves a, a, a limited, shallow kind of Purpose. We've all heard about the dangers of social media, the way it influences us in ways we don't even realize it. Don't we know that no matter how many people we like on social media, no matter how many people we follow on social media, no matter how many friends we have on Facebook, no matter how many people comment on our latest picture, that that just isn't the same as deep human relationships. There's nothing wrong with those things necessarily, but it's not a substitute for real eye-to-eye, face-to-face, flesh-to-flesh connection. If you've heard these things on the news, but there's a rising uh, substance abuse in our nation. Divorce rates are staying about the same, about 50% of marriages end in divorce. But there's a growing number of young people who aren't getting married. They're just saying, I don't know if I want to do that. 
And how many of us now live apart, separate from our extended families? Some of us had to move at some point to get a job. In fact, people move fairly frequently to get a job. And so they leave one community where they maybe had friends and family, but end up in another community where they have to learn how to connect there. Or even in this period of history where we're so politically divided, families and friends have become increasingly divided. Increasingly, folks are working from home. Folks are telecommuting. Folks are shopping online. You can get everything ordered. One of the ways I've known when I've arrived in a community is when I start to see people I know at restaurants and grocery stores like, oh, it's home now. I know people. How do we do that if we just have everything ordered and delivered to our doorstep? And increasingly, we keep hearing about how busy families are, running to school, running to sports events, running to work, et cetera, et cetera. Think back a generation or so ago and how people used to gather and how many of those things are dwindling or going away. How many of us are members of Moose or Elks Lodges? Those used to be a big deal. How many of our veterans still hang out at VFW halls? How many of us are part of bowling leagues or softball leagues? How many of us are members of Kiwanis or Optimists or Rotary or Shriners or Masons or the Junior League or the Garden Club? Those things are passing. People aren't joining the way that they historically did. And that's happening here too. Increasingly, we've talked about this, there's a growing number of folks in the world that don't see organized religion, institutional church, as a place to grow spiritually. They believe they can do it independently, in isolation. There is a place for for our independent pursuit of God, but we also need each other. Jamil Zaki is a psychology professor at Stanford University studying in the realm of, of empathy. And he writes, modern society is built on human connection and our house is teetering. And he cites all of these different examples that, that though we need each other, we are increasingly pulling away from each other. The people need to belong and when they don't, it's a painful destructive disconnection. Vivek Murthy, who is the the U.S. Surgeon General, writes, quite simply, human relationship is as as essential to our well-being as food and water. And he goes on in his book to describe all of the implications for those who are isolated, physical and mental health issues, rise of addiction, rise of violence. There were a lot of of incidents of spouse abuse during um, the pandemic lockdown. Uh, People are disengaging from their interests. Increasingly, there's political polarization and a whole host of social ills because we don't connect at the level, the depth that we as humans need. Humans need connection. This has been studied and proven in countless ways. We're suffering as a society because we've lost some of these basic connections. There's an old saying, a friend is medicine for life. Have you ever experienced that? Someone who's there for you in the hard times, someone who's comforting you in your, in your struggle, someone who's a strength for you when you're weak. A friend is a medicine for life.
It seems to me that, I mean, we know this intuitively. I think we, we all get it. But it seems to me as Christians, we ought to especially know that this is true. Last week, I talked about the beliefs we share. This is our theme right now, believe, belong, become. Last week, I shared about the beliefs that we share in common. Well, some of those beliefs all point to our need for each other. For instance, we believe we're made in the image and likeness of God, who is a trinity, three persons in one. God is a relationship, and we're made in the image and likeness of God. We believe that God created Adam and then said, it's not good for humans to be alone. They need someone to share their life with. We say that we believe that we are one body in Christ, that we're siblings in Christ. And last week we talked about the importance of those, those beliefs that are countercultural, yet that we share them in common, they hold us together. But I want to add to that today and just simply say that a shared doctrine isn't enough. That if all we do is coming together as strangers because we all believe the same thing, that that's not quite the point. All of these beliefs get lived out in the way that we relate to each other. All of this makes sense in community, right? We're united not just by what we believe, but by a spiritual reality. Not just believing in the Holy Spirit, but by knowing the same Spirit lives in me and lives in you. Not just believing in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but that Jesus Christ is alive and he lives in me and he lives in you and that together we are the body of Christ and that our shared common grounding in this life is the love of God that's been expressed through the life and ministry of Jesus. Have you ever noticed how often the Bible talks about relationships? Somehow I think we get this idea spiritually that this is all about me and God, me and God. But the way me and God gets lived out is me and you. That spiritually we become who God created us to be in the ways we relate to each other. You know the, the Ten Commandments, that whole deal? You ever realize that six of the Ten Commandments have to do with how we relate to each other? That when we covet and we steal from each other, that that tends to get in our way of our relationships. That when I cheat on my wife, that tends to affect our relationship. <laughs> when I don't respect my elders, that affects my relationship with my parent, right? It's all, don't tell lies about each other, that tends to mess up relationships, right? It's all about relationships. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You know this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and how do I do that? I love my neighbor as I love myself. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is how we restore broken relationships through reconciliation. How many times do I forgive you? 70 times seven. Jesus said, as you want to be forgiven by God, you need to forgive others. Paul talks over and over and over about how we love each other, encourage each other, support each other, challenge each other, right? Admonish each other over and over and over how we relate to one another and experience this unity we have in Christ. I just read from 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we often think about 1 Corinthians 13 as, as the wedding chapter, right? That's the, that's the marriage scripture. Well, the truth is that 1 Corinthians 13 was not written for weddings, though it was read at mine and lots of others. It isn't necessarily about the romantic love that we tend to associate with wedding days. It's really about how we 
love each other in community. Read it with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, that passage is about the way we are called to love each other. But interestingly, the word for love in the original biblical Greek is the word agape. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me say that agape is the way that God loves us freely, generously, unconditionally. In essence, 1 Corinthians is saying, you know, you need to love each other. I'm calling you to love each other. I've created you to love each other in the same way that God loves us. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape is never arrogant or boastful or rude. Agape never rejoices in the wrong or keeps records of wrong, right? That's how we're called to love each other, generously, unreservedly, unconditionally. Now, I have to say, I said that, you know, the Bible tells us over and over and over, this is how you relate to each other. I have to say that often when I'm reading these things, I think, you know, do do you really need to tell me that? Like, isn't that obvious, right? I mean, if you love someone, isn't it obvious that you need to be patient with them? Anyone ever needed to be patient with their spouse? Maybe you should ask my wife about that. She has to be patient all the time. Anybody ever raise children? Patience? Teenagers? A lot of patience. Anybody ever served on a church committee? You need lots of loving patience, right? It's just kind of how it is, right? And yet the Bible tells us, right? Because sometimes we forget to be patient. Do we really need to be told love? When you love somebody, it's not compatible with arrogance, or keeping a record of their wrongdoing, right? Do we really need to be told that? Well, apparently, because sometimes with the people we love the most, we forget the most basic things. And yet, yet, when we do it, when we love each other, even imperfectly as human, what a beautiful thing that is. The author Melody Warnick wrote a book about how you can begin to feel a sense of place and rootedness when you move to a new community. And she writes, what if a place becomes the right place only by our choosing to love it? What if the same is true in how you choose a church? By choosing to love it, by choosing to love the members. There was in 11th century England, a monk by the name of Elred of Raveau, and we call him St. Alred now, he wrote a book called Spiritual Friendship. He was a big believer that you can't know Jesus without loving people, without spiritual friendship. He wrote this, there is no goal that is holier than friendship, nothing more useful Nothing more difficult to find. Nothing is sweeter to experience. Nothing more enjoyable to maintain. A human being without a friend is like a beast. 
For he or she lacks someone with whom he or she can share his or her joy and prosperity and his or her sadness and adversity, to whom he or she may talk when he or she has had a particular sublime or illumining insight. That person is completely alone who has no friend. We weren't made to be alone. It's not good, God said, for us to be alone. Uh, More recently, Desmond Tutu, who is an Anglican bishop in South Africa, an active opponent to the apartheid of South Africa, wrote, God's dream is that you and I and all of us will realize that we are family, that we are made for togetherness, for goodness, and for compassion. More recently, Melinda Gates adds, if there's any meaning in life greater than connecting with with other human beings, I haven't found it. So sometimes we talk about like attending church. Like what church do you attend? Right? Attending a worship service. My challenge to you today is don't be an attender. Be a belonger. And let's not settle for shallow relationships. Like just familiarity. Let's go deeper with each other. I want to challenge, if you don't have one, find a place of belonging here at First Church. A Sunday school class, a Bible study, a place of service. Come early so that you can connect with people. Stay a little late on Sunday morning so that you can talk to people. Maybe invite someone you've recently met to have coffee or dinner or lunch so you can get to know them better. Get to know your pastors. Get to know your staff. We're here for you. Make a friend. Do all you can so that this isn't just a place you attend, but a place that you belong. Um, Some of you that are in my generation may remember that when we were graduating from college, about the only credit card you could get back in those days was, anybody? American Express, right? Probably because you had to pay dues and probably because you had to pay it off at the end of the month, right? So you get a little credit, you know, whatever. So I remember my senior year, the first credit card I got was an American Express card. And the, 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 um, the slogan for American Express back in those days, does anybody remember? Membership has its privileges. Some of you knew it. Membership has its privileges. Well, membership here has its privileges, right? You have access to a well-trained staff. You have access to these beautiful buildings, programs for people of every age, ministries within the church and in the community, and the love of community. Membership has its privileges. No doubt about that. But as we come now to the midpoint of our stewardship season, I want to add membership has its responsibilities, right? That belonging, really belonging is more than just attending passively. That belonging is about my commitment, the time I bring to this, the the treasure I bring to this, the talents that I bring to this. When when you join the United Methodist Church, you're asked, will you support your church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? You're asked the same thing every time we have new members. Will all of you continue to pledge your support of this church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness? Now, you've got a pledge card if you've lost yours or some out on the welcome desk. And sometimes it just feels kind of like membership at the gym, you know? You want me to pay my dues this year, right? But I want to reframe the question. What does it mean to you to belong to this church, to belong to this family, to belong to one another? 
What does it mean to you in terms of your commitment to love this church? If you've not yet turned in your pledge, I hope you'll take some time to pray about that. What does it mean for you to belong? Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you for this place and all the blessings we receive, all the benefits we receive from it. We thank you for our friends here, our family here, the connections, the love that we share because of you. We deepen those bonds, Lord. We bring new people to, to share in those bonds. We help us to break free of this, this, this temptation to go our own way. We remind us how much we need each other, what we can be for each other. Make it so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.